What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the great folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to the divisional round episode of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2018-2019 NFL season. We had a hell of a quartet of games in wildcard weekend, and uh, they certainly didn't go the way that I expected them to. I'm going to start today's episode with a little trivia question. If I told you, like on a week of my platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks, let's say, if I told you that I went 4-0, 1-3, 1-3 in those picks, you would assume, okay, he went 4-0 straight up, he got them all right, because he quote-unquote picks the easy games, so you got 4-0 straight up. 1-3 against the spread, and 1-3 over-under, because that's just kind of the way my betting picks went this season. Well, you would have had one of those right. Only went 1-3 and three straight up with the wildcard games. The only game I picked correctly was Dallas beating Seattle. They did so at home. I felt very confident about that game. The other three, I completely missed. Obviously, anyone that's listened to me all season knows that that's pretty atypical for my straight-up picks. Now, I did change up my process a little bit for the playoffs to see if that worked. Uh, clearly, after the first week, that is a bit of an issue. I'm going to keep that process the same this week. And if the picks struggle for a second week in a row, then I know it's a flaw in the process. If not, hey, maybe they were just tough games to pick. Basically, by virtue of going only 1-3 and three straight up, I only went 1-3 and three against the spread, which means I went 4-0 and oh on the totals. My totals have sucked all season long. I might be the only person in this community that will admit fully when their picks are garbage, and my total picks have been garbage this season. But I went 4-0 and oh on the totals in wildcard weekend, so go figure. In any case, naturally, we are pledging to be better this week, certainly straight up and against the spread. Would be nice if I could get another week where I ace the totals. Obviously, maybe that happens, maybe it doesn't. With my total picks this season, you'd have to probably bet money against that, but hey, you never know. Checking in with the Bridgewater's Finest and NFL YouTube Prognosticator's official pick'em pools. In the Bridgewater's Finest pool, I moved down into a tie for 8th now out of 43. 1,432 out of 2,105 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 68%. And in wildcard weekend, I mean, I only brought in 12 out of the 40 points because I only got one of the four games correctly. That's only a clip of 30%, and that is sure as hell not good enough. Three teams share the wildcard weekend victory in the Bridgewater's Finest Pool. Three teams went 3-1, and one, got 28 out of the 40 possible confidence points to gain. That's a clip of 70%. So nobody went perfect in wildcard weekend, at least not in the pool. Shout out to our new overall leader, Titans. Titans takes over from Billy B, who just completely flat out forgot to make picks this week. Titans takes over the overall lead. 163 and 95 with the two ties on the season, 1,450 out of the 2,105 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 69% and it's below the typical championship clip. So when I say there's a lot of teams still alive, well, if you go through and do the math, in fact, the top 17 teams 
in the pool are still mathematically alive. There are, I think, 80 confidence points left to be gained on the season, and the top 17 right now are within 80 points. So at least mathematically, a lot of teams still alive to win the overall championship in the pool. In the NFL YouTube prognosticators against the spread pick'em pool, I sit in fourth place out of 49. 129 of the now 260 games picked correctly, just south of 50%. Of course, in wildcard weekend, I only went one and three against the spread. That's only one of the four games correctly. That's only a clip of 25%. On wildcard weekend, we had four teams who went three and one picking against the spread. That's obviously a clip of 75%. Four teams tied for the wildcard weekend weekly win. And in the overall lead, MN Beast remains the overall leader. 136 of the 260 games picked correctly. That's a clip of 52%. And a lot less competitive in the YouTube prognosticators pool, but at the same time, a lot more competitive between the teams that are still there. Only the top four teams are still mathematically alive. That's the lead that MN Beast has built with only seven games left in the season. Those four teams are, of course, MN Beast, who's the overall leader, Gavin OC4, Gavin O'Connor, UGA Dog, who I've mentioned a number of times on this show, and myself. We're all still mathematically alive for at least a share of the overall season championship. But hey, these four teams, it's still going to be a dogfight right down to the end. Since it's the playoffs, we're moving along at a decent little clip, and I'll take this opportunity, like I always do, to remind you that if you go to the description of the video file on YouTube or of the audio file on either SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, you are going to find all of my results from Wildcard Weekend, all of my straight up against the spread and over underplays for the division round playoffs. You're going to find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page. You're going to find information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest or official NFL YouTube Prognosticators Pick'em Pools for this season. And you're going to find information on my great friends at Nerd Tees. You know the website by now, nerdtees.ca. Use that promo code BWFINEST. It's going to save you 15% at checkout. You're going to get free shipping on any order in Canada that is over 75 bucks. Or if you're in the U.S., boom, boom, two clicks of a button. Everything is in U.S. prices. You get a great conversion rate on the U.S. dollar. Today's blend is root beer, and it's just like having a warm root beer float, which sounds disgusting, but when you taste it, it's delicious. Obviously, this is a blend that's great hot. It's also great cold. It tastes just like a crisp, tasty root beer without the carbonation. But hey, again, it's all about taste, and the taste is delicious. Nerdtease.ca. Use that promo code BWFINEST. Save that money. Get that free shipping if you're Canadian. Get that U.S. conversion. Find yourself something to love or find someone you love something to love. You can do it at Nerdtease.ca. And guys... Valentine's Day is right around the corner. So last week with the picks, again, the significant thing that I changed up from my process on the season is the incorporation of that watershed mark. Through the season, it's not practical to use it because you have at least 13 to 16 games every week. Just, it, it's not practical to employ that for every single game. But where we only have four games here, we're going to keep that in effect this week. We're going to see if that has had a negative effect on the straight up picks two weeks in a row. If it does, then we're just going to turf it 
for, you know, the AFC and NFC championship games and for the Super Bowl. If it doesn't have a significant effect, like if it doesn't impact the picks negatively, we'll probably keep it in. But the watershed mark still in effect this week. So we're going to kick things off with our Saturday games, the AFC 1 versus 6 matchup, the AFC version of David versus Goliath, the Indianapolis Colts now 11 and 6 on the season, now winners of 5 consecutive games, hit the road to face the Kansas City Chiefs 12 and 4 in the regular season. They won in week 17, champions of the AFC West. And it's going to be a little bit of a theme with the road teams this week, as it was last week. You know, we had three of the four road teams were on back-to-back road games. But, I mean, for a lot of the road teams this week, this is going to be their third consecutive road game. This is the case with the Indianapolis Colts. Back-to-back-to-back roadies. This is, in fact, the Colts' fifth road game since the start of December. That's a span of seven football games. Five of those seven come on the road. These two teams did not play a head-to-head matchup in 2018. The Chiefs, however, won the last head-to-head matchup between these two. That was in October of 2016. That was at Indianapolis. Obviously, the Colts, a little bit of a different team at that point. The Colts had also won the previous three matchups dating back to December of 2012, which included a 2014 AFC wildcard game. So Andrew Luck and the Colts have done this to the Chiefs in the playoffs before. Chiefs, as I mentioned, 12-4 and on the regular season, outscored opponents by an average mark of 35-26. to That's a very big average. And the Chiefs, the only team in the playoffs, I believe the only team in the NFL this season, that eclipsed 24 points or more in every single game they played this season. So what I'm going to do for the Chiefs, I'm going to increase their watershed mark. I'm going to keep talking, obviously, about 24 points or more and 23 points or less. But for the Chiefs, I'm going to ratchet that up a full touchdown because, look, I mean, you got to make this a bit of a challenge for them. So 24 points or more in 16 of the 16 games they played this season. The Chiefs scored 31 points or more still in double-digit games. 10 of the 16 games they played this season, they scored at least 31 points. Now, the Chiefs' defense only allowed 23 points or fewer in just under half of their games, 7 of 16. The Chiefs' defense allowed 30 points or more in 5 of their 16 games, which included 3 of their 4 losses in the regular season. So obviously it's going to be no mystery what number the Colts are going to be shooting to get to. Speaking of the Colts, now 11-6 and six on the season in their 17 games, outscoring opponents by an average score of 27-21. to 21. They've scored 24 points or more in 11 of their 17 games this season, including the playoff game last week, but have allowed 23 or fewer in 9 of their 17 games. So the offense is scoring points, and more often than not, the defense is doing their job. Let's move this average game to Kansas City where this game will be taking place. Chiefs 7-1 and one at home this season. An excellent home record for Kansas City. They outscored opponents 32-18. to 18. So what that tells me is the offense stayed right around similar. You know, it's a couple points per game average coming down. The defense played significantly better by over a full touchdown, only allowing 18 points a game in their own building. Chiefs, of course, scored 24 points or more in all eight of their home games. They allowed 23 points or fewer in five of their eight games at home. That's five of the seven games all season that they allowed 23 points or fewer. 
Now, when you ratchet that up for the Chiefs watershed mark, that 31 points or allowing 30 or more, the Chiefs scored 31 points or more in three of their eight home games. So their home scoring was pretty reliable of exactly what they were going to get. They only eclipsed 31 points or more in less than half of those home games. Significantly, they did not allow 30 plus points or more this season at home. Now, it's tough to say that without acknowledging the Chiefs' home schedule was kind of cupcake this season. The only teams that they played at home this season that I would classify as good teams are the two teams that actually made the playoffs. That was the Chargers, which was their one home loss, as well as the Baltimore Ravens. And I think they might have only beaten the Ravens by three. The rest of KC's home schedule was pretty darn cupcake. And so that probably accounts for how some of those numbers look. Colts on the road now above 500 on the season at 5 and 4 outscoring opponents by a field goal on average 24 to 21. The Colts eclipsed 24 points on offense in more than half of their road games this season, 5 of their 9 games away from home, and they only allowed 23 points or fewer in 6 of those 9 road games. The offense plays well, the defense plays very well away from their own building. Spanning their last four games, Chiefs only have an even record at 2-2. Two and two. They stumbled a little bit down the stretch, still outscoring opponents by 6 points, 30-24. They scored, obviously, 24 points or more in all four of those games, but they only allowed 23 points or fewer in one of those last four games. So the defense, even with Eric Berry coming back, but kind of being in and out of the lineup a little bit, still dealing with nagging injuries, the defense struggled down the stretch. The Chiefs hit that 31 point or more plateau in two of those four games, again ratcheting things up just to make it a little more difficult on them. They allowed 30 plus points in only one of those four games as well, but that game was a loss. They went to Seattle, lost that game. On the offensive side, it's a clean sweep across the board for the Chiefs. They were the number one total offense in football this season. Indy no slouch, they were number seven. KC the number three pass offense in football. Again, Indy no slouch, they were number six. And in the run games, both of these teams were average at best. KC only the number 16 run offense in football. Indianapolis, number 20. Though you also have to bear in mind, Marlon Mack had a pretty good game last week. On the defensive side, same deal, but it's a clean sweep for the Colts. The Colts, the number 11 total defense in football this season. I think I've been underrating the Colts defense probably all year. The Chiefs second from the bottom, number 31 overall in the NFL this season. Woof, that just goes to show how incredible that offense really is. In the secondary, Indianapolis, middle of the pack, number 16 pass defense this season. Chiefs, exact same spot, second from the bottom at number 31. Where the Colts really dominate on the defensive side is in the ground game. The number eight run defense in football this season, where the Chiefs only ring in at number 27. Significant injuries to keep an eye on in this game. For the Chiefs on the offensive side, you're looking right at Spencer Ware. He's questionable in this game, dealing with a nagging hamstring injury. He's also got an injury to the shoulder. And the question has to be, can Damian Williams 
carry the load in a playoff game. I feel like Spencer Ware is the back that's more equipped here on this team to do that in the high-pressure situation, in a high-pressure playoff game. Damian Williams, to my knowledge, I don't think has ever played a playoff game before, has never been on a team that made the playoffs. I could be wrong in saying that, like he was with the Dolphins. I don't know if the Dolphins snuck into the playoffs one of those years that he was there. I can't remember off the top of my head. But if Spencer Ware doesn't play in this game, or if Spencer Ware is limited in this game, if he re-aggravates a hamstring injury, which is very easy to do, could put the Chiefs behind the eight ball offensively. And on the defensive side, as if the Chiefs need any more issues on defense, nose tackle Derek Natty is questionable in this game. He's still going through concussion protocol. Don't know whether he'll be available for the game. In the linebacking core, Reggie Ragland, he's questionable in this game, dealing with a nagging hip injury. And the aforementioned Eric Berry, he's got the questionable tag heading into this game with an injury to his calf. So when you look at the defense, that's a significant injury on all three levels of the defense. The defensive line, the linebacking core, and the secondary. That could be trouble. What compounds that issue is the Colts not really dealing with any significant injury concern whatsoever. There's still a questionable tag on Ryan Grant, but I mean, Ryan Grant's a depth wide receiver. So, I mean, that's not exactly something I'm going to point at and go, see, they're going to lose the game because of this. Ryan Kelly's not on the injury report anymore. He played last week. He played excellent last week. So look, no significant injuries for the Colts. That very clearly pushes the nozzle in their direction. Nozzle needle, you know what I mean. Folks, it is simply against my nature to pick teams that are on back-to-back-to-back road games who have won their previous two road games. It's simply against my nature to pick them straight up to win a football game unless I really believe they're going to win the football game. And I will raise my hand, and I'm not just doing this because Jeremy Stevens puts me on blast on the internet. I legitimately think the Indianapolis Colts win this game. I really do. I think Andrew Luck is back. I trust that offense. I trust both offenses, obviously. But when I look at these two teams, only one of them has a defense that I would even consider trusting. And that is the road underdog Indianapolis Colts. They might be five-point dogs, which in fact they are. But I think they win this game by five points. I'm taking the Colts to upset the Chiefs in the first game of the division round. That is going to set the tone for the rest of these NFL playoffs. I think the Chiefs go down in the division round. I'm taking the Colts to win the game. Like I mentioned, on the line, Chiefs are favored by five points at home. I'm taking this thing 34-29 to in favor of Indianapolis. They get to 30. The Chiefs don't. So I'm taking the Colts plus five because I like them to win outright. But even if the Chiefs do win, I don't think they blow the Colts out of the water. So I think that's a situation where you hedge your bets Total in the game set at 57 points. What have I got this thing getting to? 63. So we're going to go with the over on that one. Let's go over 57 points in Indy, Kansas City. The other game on Saturday is the NFC 2 versus 4 matchup. The Dallas Cowboys, victorious last week, now 11-6 and and winners of three straight games, have to hit the road and go to Los Angeles to take on the LA Rams. 13-3 on the season, winners of two consecutive games, champions of the NFC West. These two teams did not play a head-to-head matchup in 2018. The Rams won the last matchup. That was back in the t- October of 2017. That game was at Dallas. The Cowboys won the previous three matchups dating back to October of 2011. 
Rams, as we mentioned, 13 and 3 on the season, outscoring opponents by a mark of 33 to 24 on the season. Rams hit 24 points or more in 13 of their 16 football games this year. Obviously, a very reliable, trustworthy offense anchored by Todd Gurley. The defense allowed 23 points or fewer in just over half the games this season, 9 out of 16. Cowboys now 11 and 6 on the season, still only outscoring opponents by a single point on the year. They've scored 24 points or more in only 8 of their 17 games this season, but the defense has really come through. 23 points or fewer allowed by that Dallas defense in a baker's dozen of their games so far this year, 13 of 17, including last week. Let's move the game to Los Angeles now. Rams also 7-1 and one at home, just like the Chiefs, outscoring opponents by 9 points on average this season, but the scoring goes way up, 37-28. to 28. There are plenty of points to be found in Los Angeles this season. Rams scored 24 points or more in 7 of their 8 home games this season, just over half of their total on the year, and only allowed 23 points or fewer in 2 two of their eight games at home this season. If you go into Los Angeles, you can score some points. Cowboys on the road were not exactly a great sight this season. Under 500 at 3 and 5, being outscored on average 22 to 17 in those games. The Cowboys scored 24 points or more on the road just twice in eight games this season, but the defense showed up to ball six of their eight road games this year. They kept opponents to 23 points or fewer. Over the last four games, the Rams, like the Chiefs before them, kind of struggling down the stretch with Todd Gurley sitting and, you know, some a couple of injury concerns. The Rams only 2-2 two and two down the stretch. They did still outscore opponents by 5 points, 27-22. to 22. They scored 24 points or more in two of those four games to end the regular season, the defense allowing 23 or fewer also in two of those four games. Dallas played well down the stretch to win that division and to get into the playoffs, 3-1 and one in their last four games, including the victory last week, still being outscored by three points, 22-25 to 25 in those four games. So it's not exactly been a total cakewalk, but the offense has scored 24 points or more in three of those four games, I believe it's been three consecutive, and allowed 23 or fewer in three of those four games. On the offensive side, obviously clean sweep here for the Rams. The number two total offense in football this season, Dallas only chiming in at number 22. In the pass offense, the Rams number five pass offense in football, Dallas only number 23, so going a long way to contribute to that total offense number. In the run game, it's a lot closer. The Rams, the number three run offense in football this season behind Todd Gurley. The Cowboys, the number 10 run offense in football this season behind Zeke Elliott. What a running backs match up we have here on the defensive side you got a clean sweep for the cowboys dallas the number seven total defense in football the rams only chiming in at number 19 despite being 13 and 3 this season the secondaries pretty much the same dallas number 13 the rams number 14 but it's in the run game where things are much much different the cowboys are the number five run defense in football so you're going to put todd Gurley up against the top five run defense i'll be very interested to see what happens every single time the rams have the football the Rams, only the number 23 run defense in football this year, which means Zeke Elliott, I think, is going to be eaten with both hands. 
key injuries here for the Rams and unfortunate to see this guy's name still on the injury report. Todd Gurley is still on there. Probable for this game. Obviously been dealing with a knee injury, sat out the last couple of games of the regular season. He's looking probable. I can't imagine he doesn't play unless he suffers some kind of setback in practice this week. And on the offensive line, you've got an issue as well. Tackle Andrew Whitworth, pro football focus, ranks him as the number five tackle in football this season. He's also dealing with a knee injury. He is also listed as probable for this game. On the defensive side, at the safety position, LaMarcus Joyner. He is also on the injury report. He's probable dealing with an ankle injury. You never really know how secondary players are going to react to those kinds of lower body injuries. So worth keeping an eye as well on LaMarcus Joyner. Obviously, you can't talk about the Cowboys injury situation without, of course, making note of Alan Hearns suffered one of the most gruesome looking injuries I've ever seen in football. Obviously, he's he's done for the year, and I all I can do is sit here and and wish Allen a speedy recovery. I mean, I, obviously, he hasn't been super heavily utilized in the Cowboys' offense, but when he's been in there, he's looked good. He's still a talented player. I hope he comes back next year, whether it's with the Cowboys or with someone else, and can return to being the player that he was. So, speedy recovery, and I can only hope he's back next year. Speaking of the receiving core for Dallas, Cole Beasley, questionable in this game. We saw him injure his ankle in that game last week. He came back into the game and looked all right, but still carries the questionable tag. And at tight end, Blake Jarwin, who I believe, didn't he score a touchdown last week? I think he did. Anyway, he's also questionable in this game, also with an ankle injury. So that could be two receiving options for Dak Prescott that are going to be at less than 100%. On the defensive side, an issue with the pass rush, of course, for Dallas. Malik Collins, defensive tackle. He's questionable for this game, dealing with an ankle injury. I think he has three or four sacks on the season. He's been a decent pass rusher for them, and that could limit their pass rush. I mean, the one H-bomb here would be if for some reason Todd Gurley doesn't play. If Todd Gurley doesn't play, I think Dallas wins this football game because, again, you're talking about if I got to choose one of the defenses, I'm going to choose Dallas's defense to win the game. But that's only if Todd Gurley doesn't play. Since I looks like Todd Gurley's going to play and I can't imagine a scenario where he doesn't, I've got to take the Rams here. They were too good at home. Dallas not good on the road this year. Dallas won that game last week in large part because they were at home. They're not they don't have that advantage this week. So I I just I personally can't take them. I'm going to take the Rams here. I've got the Rams at home beating the Cowboys. On the line, Rams are seven-point favorites against the spread. I do imagine this line might drop a little bit, especially if Gurley is still on the injury report come Thursday or even into Friday. I could see this line dropping a little bit, people trying to grab that money on Dallas. I'm going to take the Rams to cover minus seven. I'm going to go 32 to 24 in this game. That's eight points. So let's take the Rams to cover the full touchdown at home. Total in the game set only at 49 points. That's way too low for a game in Los Angeles. What do I have this getting to? 56. So that's over by a touchdown. We're going to go over 49 points in LA Dallas. All right, ladies and gentlemen, moving on to our Sunday games. They begin with an AFC 2 versus 5 matchup of the LA Chargers 
traveling to New England to take on the Patriots. Chargers now 13-4 and on the season, winners of two consecutive games, including last week. The Patriots 11-5 and on the year, winners also of two consecutive games, champions of the AFC East. The Chargers, like the Colts, now playing back-to-back-to-back road games. They've won the last two of them. This is the Chargers' fourth road game since mid-December. For the third consecutive matchup, these two teams did not play a game against each other in 2018. The Patriots have won four consecutive head-to-head matchups, however, dating back to October of 2010. So you got to go back a ways. Patriots, like we mentioned, 11 and 5 on the year. Chargers, 13 and 4. Both of these teams outscoring their opponents on average by a total of 27 to 20. Both of these teams hit 24 points or more in double-digit games so far this season. Patriots in 12 of 16. Chargers in 11 of 17. Patriots defense allowed 23 points or fewer in just over half of their games this season. 9 of the 16 games they've played. Chargers significantly better 12 of their 17 games. Let's move this game to Foxborough, Massachusetts. The Patriots, the only team in football this season to be unbeaten in their own building. 8-0. The scoring goes up. The defense gets better. Average score of 33-17 at home this season for the Patriots. They scored at least 24 points in all eight of their home games this season, allowed 23 points or fewer in six of those eight games. So we're going to do the same thing in this one instance for the Patriots that we did for the Chiefs. Since they scored 24 or more points in all eight of their games, I'm going to ratchet that up a touchdown. The Patriots scored 31 points or more in five of their eight road games this season. So a pretty darn reliable offense there in New England. That will be news to absolutely nobody. They only allowed 30 points or more in one of their home games, and it's noteworthy that that was a win, a 43-40 victory over the Kansas City Chiefs in New England. Chargers on the road, a sparkling 8-1 this season, outscoring opponents by their season average of 27-20. They scored 24 points or more in five of their nine games on the road this season, allowing 23 or fewer in six of those nine games. And for the third consecutive matchup, the home team kind of struggling a little bit down the stretch. Patriots only 2 and 2 in their last 4, still outscoring opponents by 9 points, 26 to 17, but they lost two of those games. The Patriots scored 24 points or more in 3 of those 4 football games, allowing 23 points or fewer also in 3 of those 4 games. Chargers played fairly well down the stretch, 3-1 and one in their last four, but only outscoring opponents by an average of two points, 21-19, so some pretty tight, low-scoring games for the Chargers down the stretch. They scored 24 points or more in just one of those last four games. However, they only allowed 23 points or fewer in three of those four games. For the third consecutive matchup, we have an offensive clean sweep and a defensive clean sweep. On offense, it's a clean sweep for the Patriots, but it's pretty competitive across the board. Patriots, the number five total offense in the NFL this season, the Chargers at number 11. Pass-wise, the Patriots, the number eight pass offense in football, Chargers just inside the top 10 at number 10. And in the run game, the Patriots, the number five run offense in football, the Chargers, middle of the pack in the NFL at number 15. 
Defensively, a little less competitive except in one specific area. The Chargers, the number nine total defense in football this season. Patriots only chiming in at number 21 could explain why they were only 11 and 5. Quote unquote, only 11 and 5. The secondary, Chargers, the number nine secondary in football. The Patriots, number 22. Their pass defense definitely left something to be desired on the season. But the run defenses were very competitive, very compatible here. Chargers, number nine run defense. Patriots, number 11. So the Chargers, number nine across the board in all three of those areas. But again, the run defenses, very competitive here. I will be really interested to see how Sony Michelle and James White and that Patriots its run game fares against a top 10 run defense like the Chargers. One significant or at least notable injury on each side of the ball for the Patriots. On the offense, wide receiver Cordero Patterson. He's questionable with a knee injury. I believe he was held out last week. So he's had a couple of weeks to sort of get it right, but still has the questionable tag heading into this week. And Devin McCourty in the secondary. He's also questionable, still going through concussion protocol. Haven't gotten an indication one way or the other whether he will be available for this game or not. For the Chargers, you got some injuries on both sides here as well. Most notably on the offensive side, Melvin Gordon. He played the game last week. He left the game briefly. He came back. He still has the questionable tag with his knee. Obviously, the risk of re-injury is fairly high here. So it's a definite roll of the dice if you're using Melvin Gordon, say, in Daily Fantasy or anything like that definite roll of the dice there. Also, tight end Hunter Henry, who we mentioned was possibly going to be activated off of IR and could have possibly played last week. He didn't, but it looks like he is going to be activated off of IR, and he has been upgraded to probable for this game, so the Chargers could be getting an elite weapon at his position back for the most important game of the year. Bit of a give back on the defensive side, however, linebacker Jatavis Brown, he's been placed on IR with an ankle injury. His season is over. They will not have him up the middle and in the middle of that defense. And along the defensive line, Brent Meebane is carrying the questionable tag, dealing with a personal issue. It's unclear whether he'll play in the game or not. I assume where it's a personal issue, he probably will play. But again, you can never really judge these things. You never really know. I've got to be perfectly honest here. I don't think the Chargers have the firepower to win this game. I, I want to believe that they do. I want to believe that Phillip Rivers can go in here to Gillette Stadium and hang the first loss of the season on the Patriots. I want to believe that in my brain because it's a much cooler story than the Patriots going to another AFC Championship game. But this is what the Patriots do. They go to AFC Championship games. So I, I just... I. I want to say they will do it. I want to say they can do it. I don't think I can say either one. I think I got to take the Patriots. Definitely not the sexy pick here, but we're going to take New England in their own building where they have not lost again this season. They're scoring 33 points a game. They're giving up less than 20. It's just very difficult for me to take somebody in this spot. So we're going to take New England to beat the Chargers. On the line, Patriots are favored by four points. It is more than a field goal, but I think I'm still going to go with it. Let's take New England 28-23 to 
over the Chargers. So we're going to take the Patriots to cover minus four against the spread. Total in the game set at 45 and a half points. I've got that at 51. So we're going to go over 45 and a half points in Los Angeles, New England. And the last game we're going to look at is the NFC David versus Goliath matchup. One versus six. The Philadelphia Eagles at 10 and 7, now winners of four consecutive games, traveling to New Orleans to take on the Saints 13 and 3. They lost the season finale in week 17, but still won, cruised to, in fact, the NFC South Championship. Third consecutive road game here for the Eagles. In fact, their fifth road game in six weeks. But you know what? They made the play to win that game in Chicago last week. Originally, I thought Parkey just muffed it. Very clear that the ball was tipped. Really not Parkey's fault, although he did struggle this season and will likely be looking for a job. But you know what? The Eagles made the play to win the game, and I'm not going to take the credit away from them. This the only matchup this week where these two teams actually did have a game this season. Came back in week 11. It was a 48-7 drubbing by the Saints in New Orleans. Saints have won four of the last five head-to-head -head meetings dating back to September 2009, which included an NFC wildcard game in 2014. And what's that stat? The Saints have like never lost at home with Sean Payton and Drew Brees in a playoff game? Saints 13 and 3 on the season outscored opponents by an average of 10 full points 32 to 22 on the season. The Saints hit 24 points or more in 12 of their 16 games and the defense showed up for the most part as well, allowing 23 points or fewer 11 times. The Eagles, to their credit, now 10 and 7 on the year, still only outscoring opponents by a single point on average this season, 23 to 22. They only scored 24 points or more in seven of their 17 games this season. So the offense, below league average, let's say. The defense, though, showing up just like New Orleans has, also in 11 of their 17 games, allowing 23 points or fewer. Funny to think of all four home teams this week, the Saints actually have the worst record in their own building. I mean, the record's still 6-2. and two. Saints outscoring opponents 34-26 to 26 in their own building this season, an 8-point margin. They scored 24 points or more in 6 of their 8 home games, allowed 23 points or fewer, however, in only 4 of their 8 games at home. Philly now above 500 on the road this season at 5 and 4, scoring there is even 22 to 22 on average. They scored 24 points or more in just under half of their road games so far this year, 4 of the 9 games. The defense allowing 23 points or fewer just over half of the time, 5 of the 9 games. Both of these teams playing very well coming into this game. Saints 3 and 1 in their last 4. Eagles obviously 4-0, and oh, having won four straight games. Despite being 3-1, and one, however, average scoring in those last four Saints games are is even. It's 21-21, to 21. so the one loss, pretty big blowout. Saints have scored 24 points or more in two of those four games. They've allowed 23 or fewer also in two of those four games. The Eagles at 4-0 in their last four, outscoring opponents by nine points, 26-17. The offense has come around, the defense has come around. They've scored 24 points or more in three of those four games. They've also allowed 23 points or fewer in three of those four games. 
On the offensive side, the Eagles actually put a chink in the armor here as well. Saints were the better total offense, number 8 in football versus number 14 for Philadelphia. But in the past game, the Eagles were actually statistically the better team. Eagles, the number 7 pass offense in football this season. The Saints, only number 12. But then you take a look at the run game and hoo boy. The Saints, obviously the number six run offense in football this season. They were very good behind both Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. The Eagles, only number 28, that rotating cast of characters they had at the running back position this season, only number 28. Defensively, it's a clean sweep for the Saints, although the secondary and the run defense, really, it's relatively competitive. The Saints, the number 14 total defense in football this season. Eagles only chime in at number 23. However, the secondaries, they're basically the same. They were both bad. Saints, number 29 in football. Eagles, number 30. You can throw on these teams all day long. And the run defense is relatively comparable as well. The Saints, the number two run defense in football. I think the Eagles are going to have a hard time moving the ball at all on the ground. And the Eagles, the number seven run defense as well. So, like, look, they're definitely going to put up a challenge to that Kamara and Ingram-led backfield of the Saints. The run game is going to be really hard to come by in this game. That gets compounded when you look at the Saints and the injury report. The Saints, a couple of significant Injuries carry questionable tags on the offensive line. Tackles Taron Armstead and Ryan Ramchick, both carrying the questionable tag heading into this game, both questionable with shoulder injuries. Pro Football Focus ranks Armstead as the number two tackle in football and Ramchick as the number seven. So you got two top 10 ranked tackles who are both questionable, may not be 100% for this game. In fact, the Saints carry five questionable tags across their offensive line these are starters and depth players how good is that offensive line going to be able to be and a defensive injury of note for the Saints as well defensive end Alex Okafor is questionable in this game he's dealing with a nagging knee injury it's unclear whether he will play as well but Obviously, the huge area of concern is on that offensive line, not only keeping Drew Brees upright, but in order to generate holes for the run game. Philly basically clean on the injury report. Nick Foles does not show up on the report this week. It is noteworthy. Mike Wallace, who... Uh, has been questionable. I believe he's missed most of the season. I think he had surgery to repair a broken fibula. He was activated from IR. So he's carrying the questionable tag right now. I'd be surprised if he played in this game, but the possibility exists. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you folks. All those injuries on the offensive line for the Saints definitely make me feel trepidatious about picking this game, especially given that it's like a big point spread. I believe it's the biggest point spread of the week. In fact, it is. So, I mean, that obviously makes me feel very nervous about this, but I'm going to make the pick anyway because I think the Saints are the team of destiny. So I'm going to take the Saints. I got New Orleans winning this football game. I just don't think the Eagles have the firepower. But then again, Nick Foles has made a career the last two years of proving me wrong. But I just I just don't think the Eagles have the firepower here. Much like the Chargers, I don't think the Eagles have the firepower. We're going to go New Orleans. We're going to have the Saints win this game 34-21. to 21. That means they cover minus 8 against the spread, which is what they're favored by heading into this game. Total in the game set at 50.5 points. I got this getting to 55. So we're going to take over. I'm over on all four games this week. Over 50.5 points 
in New Orleans, Philadelphia. There you go, folks. Those are the picks for the division round playoffs. We're going to go over them here with you just one more time. Kansas City, I have them being upset in the AFC 1 versus 6 matchup. I've got the Colts beating the Chiefs 34 to 29. I like the Colts plus 5 against the spread by virtue of them winning the game in a game that goes over 57 points. In the NFC 2 versus 4 matchup of Dallas in Los Angeles, I'm going to take the hometown Rams 32 to 24. I've got the Rams covering minus 7 against the spread in a game that goes over 49 points. In the AFC 2 versus 5, the first game on Sunday, I've got the Patriots beating the Los Angeles Chargers 28 to 23. Patriots covering minus 4 against the spread in a game that goes over 45 and a half points. And in the weekly finale, Philadelphia traveling to New Orleans to take on the Saints. I've got the hometown Saints 34 to 21 over Philadelphia. Saints cover minus eight against the spread in a game that goes over 50 and a half points. Ladies and gentlemen, those are your picks for the division round playoff games 2019 NFL playoffs. It is time now for the patented comment of the week. The comment of the week this week goes to my good friend Andrew Warren, a fellow NFL YouTube prognosticator, and I give him the comment of the week this week simply because I feel his pain. Andrew's comment was, I may have to miss Sunday games due to inventory this coming Sunday. Where I work, it's usually the first Sunday of January, but I will catch the Saturday games. Good luck this weekend, Justin. Wildcard weekend is the best weekend in the NFL season. And I say that because like, I work retail as well, and I actually had a situation a couple years ago where my inventory fell on the day of the Super Bowl, but I had already booked it off. So we came to an agreement there that I didn't have to miss the game, but it was uh, some tense moments for uh, about a week during negotiations to actually get this thing off. So I understand as someone who also frequently works on Sundays, sometimes you got to sacrifice football games because you got to go to work. So Andrew, I feel your pain. I'm glad you were able to catch as much of Wildcard Weekend as you were. And yours is the comment of the week from the Wildcard Weekend video. All right, folks, that is going to do it. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the great folks at NerdTees, nerdtees.ca, promo code BWFinest, save that 15% at checkout, get that free shipping by making a big old purchase from NerdTees, enjoy the division round games, again, one of the best weekends of football all year, these are the games that decide who plays for the AFC and NFC title, and who's going to play for the Super Bowl. Enjoy the games, we'll see you again next week. Mm -hmm.